Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pat and John on Their Best Behavior. I am John. I'm Pat. And we are um, coming to you after taking a, uh, a two-week break, hiatus, whatever you want to uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, we decided that it would be best to just kind of chill for a couple weeks in light of everything that's been going on with the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement uh, in the wake of, among others, uh, the death of George Floyd. And we are um, resuming this week, but we just want to also acknowledge that all of this is still going on, uh, that this is a, uh, a movement and not a moment. So you're no doubt seeing like a bunch of stuff on social media because that's like a big part of how everything is, is being communicated. But um, yeah, just like stay posted, stay active, going to protests if you're able. Um, you know, obviously resources are super important, uh, but but donating to different organizations, whether that's Black Lives Matter or the different like Black Lives Matter chapters or bail funds. There's obviously some protests happening um, in Atlanta um, at the moment. So that's going to be like a big, uh, a big need that will be need to be filled. So um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything to add, add Pat? No, um, just keep up this momentum for the rest of your lives. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, with that being said, uh, Pat, you want to introduce our uh, introduce our guest? Yeah. So today we have uh, a very good friend of mine, uh, actor Lester Finley. Um, Lester and I uh, met. We had the same um, uh, side job in New York, and we both worked at the uh, the same gym in New York. And uh, we're not going. Oh, go- I didn't know that was your connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Are we are we are we are we naming the gym? Oh yeah, yeah. We worked at we worked at Blink Fitness okay. in the financial okay. district. Um, shout out Blink Fitness. Shout out, it, it, it does not exist anymore. Ooh. It does not Rest exist anymore. Um, <laughs> and um, Lester and I, we would. Uh, Lester was a, a welcome reprieve from the uh, <laughs> the typical conversations of uh, gains, the burn. Uh, chicken breast and broccoli yeah. uh, discourse. Um, the PT life. Yeah, the 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 PT life. Um, but couple couple weeks ago, when the protests really started to uh, heat up, um, there was this little thing I read on Twitter that said the the help was the number one streamed movie in America. Mm-hmm. Now, the past couple years, entertainment-wise, you have things like Oscars So White, uh, which has brought to light the fact that 97% of the movies and TV that we see are created by white people and inhabited by white people. Mm-hmm. And movies like The Help, Green Book... Driving Miss the blind da- side. The blind side, driving Miss Daisy. They're sort of, um, shall we say, uh, uh, fake narratives, mm-hmm. um, and uh, sort of a part of that white savior complex. Right, right, but the white savior, exactly. Actually, to like, sorry to cut. No, please, 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 sorry to cut you off, Patrick. But also uh, the film Hidden Figures. Come to find out, um, oh God, the actor's name, Kevin Costner, was in the film. Mm-hmm. Turns out that his role was made up. Mm. He was not. He oh wasn't even like. He was. He was fiction. Right. Mm. So I guess they just needed that white savior. Yeah. To like. St- and that to like st- in that film, because he like, like leads them. He leads them in that movie. I, I remember mm-hmm. seeing that. Yep. And I didn't even know that. I thought he was like a an actual person, but to- yeah, he, behold, he's, he he's presented as a, a real person. Um so the reason why I asked Lester to to come on the pod today is because I wanted him to to talk to us and to our audience about why it's really important for as as allyship to seek out black art and to really understand why it's important 
why these things like Oscar So White is so important, why mm-hmm. Moonlight's win is so momentous, why that's as important as, you know, donating to these bail funds, mm-hmm. supporting at the protests, um, passing knowledge along. So, yeah, Lester, you, you, you gave us two Denzel Washington movies, and I wanted to ask you as a black actor what Denzel means to you okay so as a black actor I feel like you look at a few other black actors as at a high regard with me I think Denzel Washington is one of them Mm -hmm. he's a two-time Oscar winner uh no other black actor can say that they've he was nominated I believe six times seven times let's just say let's just say six but no other black actor can say that two-time oscar winner and these two performances uh devil in the blue dress directed Mm -hmm. by carl franklin and other film that i said he got game he got game directed by spike lee of course everyone knows who spike lee is another prominent black filmmaker whether you like his films or not but um in these two films, I feel like you've never seen Denzel Washington so raw and real as a, as mm. in his performance, especially in Devil in the Blue Dress. It's almost comedic to me. Mm. Some parts you never, it's almost comedic. And with someone like Denzel Washington, who's normally serious in his roles and very like choosy, I love to see him. I love this film because you got to see him let loose, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like, of course, his performance wasn't critically acc- acclaimed because he wasn't how white people look at black people, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The thug, the slave. That's the only time we'll ever get nominated for Oscars or big the big awards. Like the thug, the slave, the, the, the drug addict, the monster, the abusive, whatever. So I feel like these performances are just my favorite of his. Mm. Of course, I love all of his performances. Well, and no and to piggyback off of that, like not o- especially in Devil in a Blue Dress, like not only is he not playing to those types of roles that, as you said, like black actors don't get nominated for, he's actually inhabiting a type of character that is oftentimes seen as like the dominion of like white actors, right? Like he's like he's the hard boiled mm-hmm. detective in like a film noir, which. Um, mm-hmm. There were, and this is this is based off of like a film, uh, a hard boiled detective fiction, um, like novel written by a black man. But like, and there are plenty of those. But one, the ones we tend to think about, like the Maltese Falcon or the Big Sleep, like they're written by white people, by white guys, and the hard boiled detective figure is like a white guy as well. So well, he's guy, he's pushing right. against a lot of different sort of like assumptions, uh, pushing against out. type. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, you- I had never. Go ahead, Pat. Oh, I was going to say it's like really a rebuke to Chinatown. You know, Lada is like the most famous like L.A. noir of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was – my friend sent me an article a couple years ago called Why Taxi Driver Ruined Acting. And the (laughs) – sort of the thesis of the article is that after De Niro played Travis Bickle – all actors, all male actors, and I should say all white male actors, mm-hmm. did whatever they could to do that part, however mm-hmm. they could. You can see it today. Colin Farrell, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I mean, you can right, name right. Wh- whoever you want, like even Brad Pitt and Leo. They've all kind mm-hmm. of like right. taken that right, right, like right. ideal that was Travis Bickle. But that opportunity was not given to anybody else Mm -hmm. and what i see from these two movies and like all of denzel's career is that like he was able to do those like travis bickle like parts Mm -hmm. and inhabit them like so i mean so fully yeah almost yeah right and able to play like able he's such a his performances are so dynamic like even when he is like playing these really serious figures like there's just something he that charm does come through and like even when he has like these characters who 
at least in terms of how the other like, i'm thinking if he got game like how the other characters are relating to him like he's you know seen as like having done this really terrible thing and you know not being present in his kids lives like you still like he plays that and you can understand like why these characters see him that way but he's just so he's just so so charming in so many different ways that i i i just i had never really seen in, in the movies that i had seen him in which is not not that many mm-hmm. um but what movies have you seen it's really embarrassing. Yes. Um, so I've seen Remember the Titans, uh, The Great Debaters, okay. uh, Fences. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, God. Is Two of those are like Disney produced, right? Are those? I think Remember the Titans. Uh, least, remember the Titans. Definitely was Remember the Disney. Titans. Oh yeah, yeah, that's like the most Disney sports film. Yeah, like of all time. And that was played in like, and they played that in like school, my high yep. school or my middle school, yep. just to like keep us quiet. So right. yeah, I get that. Um and. <laughs> I think that's yeah. I think that's it. I'm I'm looking up his other. I've seen I've seen some of Training Day. I watched some of that with Pat. Okay. Um, and I like I I understand okay. his character in that. Uh, it's obviously huge. Oh, Much Do About Nothing. I saw him in Much Do About Nothing. Um, okay. But yeah, apart from that, I haven't haven't seen a lot of his movies. So I I haven't seen like some of probably what I've seen as like his better performances. So the fact that I was so like mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised in some of the moments w- while watching this um, is uh, maybe it's just because like the thing I associate him most with is fences because I, I taught that play and I, I showed that movie in my classes. So I watched it like, you know, (laughs) 10 different times uh, in a week. Um, But this was like very different from like that role, which is like his most recent, like kind of big, uh, you know, really, really acclaimed role. But uh, yeah, I had a blast. I had a blast watching these. And I think it's important, especially right now for our white my white friends and my white people to actually like do the history Mm -hmm. go uh, like not just Denzel Washington look at Spike Lee's films Mm -hmm. I'm just listing off black black actors that are acclaimed Mm -hmm. like Denzel Washington like the Angela Bassett's like the Forrest Whitaker's all these people Mm -hmm. like go like Carl Franklin Mm -hmm. like uh, F. Gary Gray like just go through their history and to see their their films just watch their films not i shouldn't have to tell you to watch your films i feel like you should especially if you're like in this business whether you're white or black i feel like you should watch their stuff yeah watch their material but they're just the the issue like the set the totally sad part is is like it is like totally obvious to watch these films like i felt like seriously duped that i had never seen uh devil in a new dress like i had just never come up i knew carl franklin because he directed a couple episodes of the last season of mindhunter but as a tv director you're kind of like you can be sometimes like hidden in the credits Mm -hmm. um and i just Right. right 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 you know the the it's it's so infuriating that black filmmakers are just not considered like canon in the same way because the the industry the the, especially even the the classical film industry um like even the criterion channel has a real bias and film history is so driven by these like older white like french filmmakers or european filmmakers Right, Italian, and, like Antonioni, yeah. um, Fellini. Um, and they're just not... It's not that they don't care. They just... What's the word I'm looking for? It's like they can't put themselves in that film. You get what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. they can't, like... Like Devil in the Blue Dress. They can do that for this film because how many, like you said, how many noir films with a white lead mm-hmm. but like someone something like a trading training day mm-hmm. or the great debaters let's just say that they can't a white person can't put themselves in that film so they're not going to watch it or they can't mm-hmm. help me what's the word i'm looking for what's the word I'm well, looking they can't for? relate to it they they, they yeah right yeah. They relate thank you relate yeah. they can't fucking relate to the yeah. film so they're not going to watch it or they're not going to pay attention to it so they're going to be like, what is The Great Debaters? I'm not going to watch that. Right, right. But I'm going to watch this. Well, I mean, right. right. A lot so, of people talk themselves out of watching Moonlight, even though it won Best Picture. Right. 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 
and that was needed. It was needed for yeah for the black community and film and and entertainment. We we have so as I alluded to, um, uh, Lester Pat obviously knows this, and our listeners probably know this. But I, I was a high school English teacher, and we always had these conversations about obviously about like diversifying our book lists and making sure that we're teaching like a range of, of authors as it pertains to, to gender and, and race and sexuality. Um, and mm-hmm. we had to have the conversations about like, well, it's great that we are like getting these books by black authors in there, but also let's make sure that like not everything that we bring in is about like a black character who is just always experiencing right. unspeakable trauma. Like it's important obviously for that as well, but it's also great when we can like get something that's just like about black people just like living normal lives like, and like a normal like middle class family yeah. there's also another film that uh with Whoopi goldberg and danny glover oh god what was the name of the film they're a uh, middle they're actually like upper middle class black family they move to the sub- suburbs oh the great fences or something it's Whoopi goldberg good, danny good glover fences. and they good move fences. good fences and that is, I feel like that film has a different take on the black family mm-hmm. that you normally see in films. Right. So they, they move from, they move into the suburbs, like this, this, this black family moves to the suburbs. You normally don't see that in films now, do you? Mm. You don't. So I feel like that's a great take. And I'm trying to think of another film. I had it on the top tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. It'll come to me later, I'm sure. Well, that's why I thought like that. It's important that we see again. We talk about movies that are, you know, about like historical figures. Something like even though like mm-hmm. we Hidden Figures has an issue, but something like Hidden Figures, right? That it's about like these really important like figures to American history and African American history, Black history, and but like we also like think of something like um, If Beale Street Could Talk, which is just like a beautiful, fairly quiet movie that's just like. Yes, there is a racial aspect of that movie, of course, but there's also this other mm-hmm. other way in which, like, it's just like these people like interacting with one another and like loving each other and like fighting for one another. Um, so right. yeah, so I, and I, that's what I enjoyed about both of these about both of these movies as well is that there is that racial component to them as well, but it is also just great, you know, to just see these movies in which, like, yeah, like it's a black hardboiled detective and he lives in a suburb that is inhabited by black people and it's about him like sort of interacting with with that world but also just like he is also just like a hard-boiled detective like any other hard-boiled detective so it's 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 about kind of like i don't know speaking to both of those aspects of like representation and storytelling and there's especially in devil new dress you see black owned businesses and like Mm -hmm. i mean it's like in a lot of these movies you just don't see black people have a social life mm-hmm. no you don't uh, you don't and and that seems ahead. it just seems so it just seems so like easy and like dumb that you would like that that's even that's such a monumental thing right because were you to have to, to for black people to have a social life in films yeah or? in yeah in, in movies you okay. just don't see it you just don't see it because it's always framed in a certain lens, like there's this sort of element something of, bad is about of to danger to it. You something know, bad, which, like like which, yeah, you know, like like I said, the trauma, the 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 thug or the mm-hmm. the the trying to paint black people in films as as the the bad person. Mm-hmm. No, movies are super powerful. People, and we're yeah. we're we're shown these images at such an, an early age, and especially if you just watch enough films, like it's so deeply embedded in you um one thing i will say that i want white people to do especially if they're older just do your research just watch the film like Mm. that's all you have to do it's an hour film like you you probably won't like it you don't have to like it you might love it just watch it Mm -hmm. that's all you have to do there's nothing like you like i get that you probably want to like, when am I I'm losing my words? What you want to like sort of stay like, I know in you your probably, comfortable. You want to watch, uh, right? Yeah, right. The artist. Right. I know you probably want to be. You probably, <laughs> you probably will be uncomfortable watching certain films, but 
Just watch it. It's a it's a movie. Yeah. It's entertainment. Sure. You're supposed to be entertained. And stop telling yourself that it's a That's movie my for black people. Yes. Right. Yeah. I hate the I hate the term, but I love the term black film. Mm. Like I hate black movies. Like I love it because I use it, but I hate it because mm-hmm. it it limits us. Yeah. Sure. Limits us, and I I feel like, oh, here's another black film which I get myself saying it, but I feel like it just like limit us to like be in that, in that little realm over here. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we have our black films, but then you might see one black film get over here to this side mm-hmm. where it's like the white people can, can watch it. Right. Like a, like a moonlight or hidden figures mm-hmm. or the help. Right. And I have a different, opinion about the help whatever but um, the movie is garbage like we could say that it's it's garbage (laughs) the film is garbage but the performances make up for the film yeah 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 yeah, for sure in my but the whole the whole like premise of the book is is like there's there are problems there but no you're you're absolutely right um but it should not be like you know what pat was talking about like it should not be the most viewed film like on netflix like if that's what you're going to as your default there's a problem there (laughs) it shouldn't it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be the most watched. I don't. I didn't get that. I saw that and I was like, "What is? Why? Yeah. Like, yeah. Why? <laughs> well, that's that's plenty of work for some people. That that movie in itself is yeah. like enough work. You know? Sure, and, yeah, but, sure. But the, and the difficult thing, especially with these past couple weeks, is that it's just it's not for it's not a, a quick fix, right? It's the, it's it's not a quick fix to just point a have a, a black sorry i'm gonna go there but to have a black square Do or it. to have or for a brand to just shoot something off and then say okay that's it i'm i'm i'm, I'm good like it, mm-hmm. it, it it's it's a long it, it takes a long time yeah you know yeah and and i'm happy that i feel like if corona didn't happen if covid19 didn't happen my people will still be getting murdered and it would just be another person, another one of me, mm. literally, or my sister, or my cousin, or whatever, murdered. And nobody would, we'll probably get like a few, like, oh, and rest in peace, tribute to whoever. Mm, right. Would it be like microwave, microwave era, bye, gone, right. till the next one happens. But since everyone has no distractions, and like everybody is sitting and like in front of their TVs or phones or whatever. Now we're paying attention to my people, you know? Yeah. And now we're paying attention to the entertainment, meaning, okay, we got to, we got to change some things around here. We need to get some more black people up in here. We need to mix this up. We need to right. do this, which I'm all here for. Sure. Like, let's do it. I'm ready to see more black writers and more, stories for the black community right. portrayed in a better light. Right. Now, Lester, you you studied acting in college. Yes, I did. Did Yep. Did you feel pigeonholed when you were training in college? Yes. Yes and no. Like I would never I would never like I love the training that I did get from my school, but of course, being one of the few only black men in the program and like I was the only acting major black yeah, I was the only black acting major male. Mm-hmm. It was hard because they didn't know what shows to pick for me, I would say, and like I feel like I wasn't guided in the right direction. So I literally had to like do my own research. Mm-hmm. And like the other black people in the program, I feel like they also did too. Like I feel like that's a lot of programs that aren't with the heavily black, mm-hmm. like I guess staff or whatever. You have to like do the own, you have to do your work, which is unfortunate. Like I shouldn't have to, I'm still in school. Like right. you're a teacher, teach me what I need to do. Like right. give me some, Give me a monologue or something, you know? Right. But I would say 
I wouldn't say I wasn't I wasn't pigeonholed because I was able to do other things that I feel like a black actor wouldn't get the opportunity to to do in the real world, mm-hmm. like Shakespeare or or um uh Ibsen or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So you found your way even in those like in those texts and in those Yeah, I tried or you did your best. I tried to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. To go to go back uh, a little bit and just thinking about like connecting it with Denzel Washington, like was there a particular moment where like he began to for you like take on the significance of being like oh like that's what I that's what I want to do like he you know like he's the actor that you know I I want to do I want to do work like this or like I see what he's able to do and I want to be able to do that as well is is there a particular time or a particular film or part of your life where that 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 began to happen. I think just watching his career, mm. just watching his career, how he can go from so many roles and so versatile. Yeah. I love that. I love that he can't like, he's not allowing himself to be pigeonholed in one mm-hmm. type of role. Yeah. So I love that he can go to the, go from a uh, devil in the blue dress to um, training day to uh, Shakespeare. Yeah. Now he's about to do He's he's about to play Macbeth right with yeah. Cohen yeah. brother, so I'm like, what? <laughs> like, are you serious? Yeah, and I'm sure he's going to be amazing. So I, I think I just I don't. He doesn't know that I even exist, but I literally look up to this man yeah. as an acting like sure, like the acting god that that I. That I'm like, oh my God, Denzel, you're perfect. You're sure. amazing. And I, I have other actors like that sure, too, sure, but sure, I feel sure. like Denzel is like my my one. Yeah, well, that's why I ask is because like this, sometimes you're able to look back and be like, yes, like obviously I got into this person's work or this person's books or whatever, and that led me to other things. But there's kind of like that one person who just hit you at the right time or was just kind of like, yeah, had like the right type of career that allowed you to really zoom in on. Do you remember what your first- right, uh, right. Denzel Washington movie was? Oh, God. I think it was Training Day. Really? Wow. I think I saw him in Training Day. When it first came out, I was... I think I was too young. It mm-hmm. was 2001. I had to sneak and watch it. But I, when <laughs> I was older, I was really able to appreciate sure. him, like, as an actor. And, like... But I think it was Training Day, if I'm... Or... Of course, remember the Titans. Of course, yeah. Well, that that's Going a lot of folks because yeah, because you're able to like it. That's more kid friendly, so a lot of people that's their first right. exposure to right. them. And you and you right. recognize so even my... at that age that like this is like this guy's no joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, I don't know. He's just I don't know. Just something about him. Like whenever I talk about him, I just get a smile on my face. Sure. <laughs> like he's like literally okay. All right. No, that's what this podcast is for. <laughs> it's literally to gush about the this the art and artists that you love. So you're in the right place. I, you should have heard Pat and I talk about like what well, I don't know what our most what our most gushy moments have been so far. The weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so you're nothing you say is gonna reflect nearly as poorly on you as, as some of our stuff has. I think I is is Training Day the most popular Denzel movie? I mean, he won the Oscar for it, but I don't think it's the most popular. Is it's it the most? Actually, his most popular, I think it's Malcolm X, isn't it? His most it's acclaimed most... performance uh, is Michael X. Right, right, right. But his most popular performance, like for the public, it's probably Training Day. I could be wrong, but I feel, I feel like, like tr- especially black people, they love Training Day more. They can quote it. White people love Training Day, too. They love, uh, they, they like, it's, well, you know, it's like, cause it's very quotable. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that character is. is just so specific to like, it's like, yes, yeah, like Denzel Washington and training day. Like this is like a particular type yeah. of energy and like a particular like intensity that I think coupled yeah. with the fact that he won the Oscar for it, like would probably make it one of his more popular roles. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Remember the Titans has got to be up there. Like, it's just so many people have seen that movie, and it's so, like, it's a family movie, it's a Disney movie. It's like, a f- you see it at such a young age. Uh, right. 
I would be surprised. It's up there. It's up there. It's also, I'll say this, it's more palatable for white people as well. Because, like, it's <laughs> it, it's a sport. It's about football. Yeah. Uh, it's about, you know, like, these, like, these two, this team coming together and putting aside their racial differences in a way that, like, I mean, the movie does have, like, some edge to it. And there's some importance in that story for sure. But it's, it's very nice and neat mm-hmm. and orderly. And, like, the coaches, they both, like, are great guys and they get along. <laughs> and the music, you know, is obviously <laughs> incredible. So that I wouldn't be surprised. From where from my my community coming from like a, a very white not very wealthy town in new hampshire um i would say like for a lot of people remember the titans would be up there mm-hmm. yeah i can i can agree with that i just looked up his most uh his highest grossing films or the highest grossing films with him in it and as of 2016 any guesses on what his highest grossing film is man on oh, fire God, i would say yeah, that Wait, what, or fences or something. What did you, Probably not fences. What, what did you say, Pat? I didn't. I hear said you. man on fire. Nope. Man on fire. Unstoppable. American gangster. Oh my god. <sighs> Which I wow. forgot oh, even okay. came, came about out. That movie. Yeah, I forgot. Ooh. The cast yeah. in that movie okay. is insane. That cast, but the is movie like a... itself isn't great, right? That's the vibe I got. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like it's okay. It, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's an okay film. I would need to like revisit it, of course, but sure, that's something I, I should like rewatch, just to like, because I saw it like a while back, like right. a long time ago. Sure, I just remember J- Jay Z is very involved in the soundtrack in that movie, isn't he? Yeah, he executive produced. The soundtrack. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. 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 The American Gangster album, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. That's why. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, do we want to let's let's talk about um, specific like moments in these these two movies? Um, I yeah. I was really struck in He Got Game during the the scene where. Uh, so this is a spoilers podcast. So uh, yeah, spoilers for He Got up. Game and Devil um, in a Blue Dress. <laughs> spoiler um, alert. The Boiler. moment where it, uh, Denzel is um, playing a uh, prisoner who is mm-hmm. released on the condition of he convinces his uh, superstar, highly touted uh, son to um, sign uh, what, sign, sign, with, sign with a sign particular with, uh, to play basketball at a particular college. College, um, and okay. he he's allowed to live outside of the prison in this really kind of like roach motel in Coney Island. And he starts this relationship with this, um, with a prostitute who's, um, you know, being abused by her pimp. And he, Mm -hmm. the way that they interact in the, the sort of love that he he has for her and that he he fosters for her um because mm. you're like you're kind of flashing back between him you know driving his son through drills and yelling at his son and berating his son and ultimately that anger leads him to accidentally mm-hmm. killing his wife but when you see him with the prostitute in the motel, he's at a totally different point in his in mm-hmm. his journey. And you off the bat, you assume that this is gonna be like just a sort of a, a simple sexual transactional relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but he really like sees a, a kindred spirit in her. Mm-hmm. And I think like the the scene where he, he gets money to take her on a date it's just like so so mm. beautiful and like so small and um yeah i don't know i was just like really touched by by that part of the movie just showed a different side of his character pretty much yeah you wouldn't expect that yeah. from him yeah i mean in terms of scenes with with him i mean there's a lot about the film that i love in general but i just like the just how like complicated the relationship with the son is during flashbacks like during these you have these moments where you totally get what both the son uh whose name is jesus um what jesus and his 
mother say about about Denzel's character like pushing him too hard and going too hard on him but then like like while they're playing basketball like Denzel is super in his face and he's like super he's like fouling him on purpose and he's like in, he's he's being mean but then you have like these moments where he's like no like like you like that's that's why I'm pushing you this hard like see like you 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 push past me and like you you like and it you just get all of that you see like oh no like he does really care like he really is pushing his son because he he loves basketball a lot but he also really loves his son um yeah so i, I really i really i really love that aspect of it because it, it is complicated up until then you you just kind of see this one side of it and you're like oh yeah he must have been absolutely terrible to him and must have pushed him too hard but you you sort of understand um and he just is able to switch from like that really intense dad mode to being like this is why i'm pushing you this hard and like you know you 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 did it high five son sport it probably was like he saw so much of himself in his son mm-hmm. or he didn't want his son to to follow the pe- the footsteps of him yeah like he's in jail he he's his life is pretty much over yeah if you have so if you didn't see the film you should watch the film tell your your viewers watch the film but his life is pretty much over and he's pushing his son to the brink to the best of his ability because he knows his son has the potential to be better than him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I th- think that is the, the the makeup of the film because yeah. he knows that his son is better than him, but he, sh- he continues to do these things to his son, knowing for a fact that he will one day be in the in the NBA. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a ticket out. Right. Right. Less... Um, Lester, what's your... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, what... Why why is Spike such a great filmmaker? Why do you think he is? To me? Yeah. Or just in general? Yeah. Both. Both. Yes. Huh. That is a good question. Why do I think Spike Lee is a great filmmaker? It's also hard to answer because he's he's also great for so many different reasons. Yeah. yeah. And he made so many, like, movies. Oh, okay. Let me think about this. Oh, God, you you throwing me the sorry, questions. Sorry, wow, sorry. Patrick. Hi. Well, well, I need a minute to think about can, this. Can, You're in the hot zone. Can, well, I... I, I know. Can, I'm like, I mean, I... Wait, okay. okay. So I think Spike Lee, in my opinion, is a good... A great direct, uh, filmmaker because he tells the stories of the black community in such a way. That is almost the truth. I'm gonna say almost the truth. <laughs> almost. Now fuck that. He do. He he tells. This, <laughs> what, he made tells you, what made you? What made you? What made you change? Because I'm I'm trying to like go back in his like filmography mm. and just like think of the films that he's done. Because he got game. She's got to have it. Crooklyn. Do the right thing. And then I do the right thing. And like I'm trying to like think like of his films. I mean, go what? Oh, I for me, he is absolutely fearless when it comes to yeah to trying as many. Obviously, he like he likes to push he, the he, limit. He likes to push as the many limit. cinematic to me mediums as possible. Like, and he got mm-hmm. game. There's yeah, like he, he put- music videos. There's like sports highlights right. there's mm-hmm. flashbacks there's like very like all the scenes with his son and rosario dawson are like mm-hmm. this almost kind of they have this like music video quality like mm-hmm. kind of like an artsy film um as well mm-hmm. as like he he it's like he he's one of those filmmakers he just goes there so he um he just makes his film and he puts it out and he he doesn't he doesn't need the the satisfaction of the the man, mm-hmm. I guess, the white man, to say that his film is good. Mm, right. you know? He's still going to do his film. He's still Spike Lee. It's still a Spike Lee joint. You well, know? I, right. I, I was listening to a an interview with, with Spike Lee, and he was talking about Malcolm X, how he the, the original cut for Malcolm X is like five hours. And the studio was like, well, we're going to do two hours. Like we need two hours. See, and, and he's like, like, honestly, he would probably put that out and, too. Eventually, and he found out that at the same time, the same studio was doing JFK and Oliver Stone film, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which is that movie is well over three hours. Mm-hmm. So Spike right. Lee called Oliver because they both went to NYU, and he's like, "How long is your movie?" And Oliver Stone <laughs> told him, and then Spike was like, "Okay, yeah, my, my movie's gonna be three hours long." Um, oh my god! And he actually, when the money, when the studio wouldn't give them any more money for Malcolm X, he had to. He reached out to like all the prominent black celebrities at the time, mm-hmm. and they all donated money basically to pay for post-production of the film wow which is wild we come together yeah we do come together what what strikes me about i and once again i've not seen as many spike lee movies as i as i should uh as i should have seen uh and i'm 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 on a roll because i saw the five bloods i saw this and i i'm like (laughs) i'm finally it's like i'm finally gonna watch like do the right thing like i'm the worst fucking film snob in the world because i haven't seen do the right thing but what what i can't say i haven't seen that one yet the 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 five bloods Oh. I haven't seen that one yet. Well, that's a whole podcast episode. That's a whole other itself. one. That's part two. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. But but I'm really struck by the stuff that I've seen, like how, and it's not in all of his movies because he is a he's a complex filmmaker. But in this, like, there's just a lot of like there's like a lot of love. There's like a lot of love for, like for these each of these characters. There's a lot of love for like the communities that he's representing, like the actual physical communities and like neighborhoods and like the city itself. Like I loved the cinematography in this movie so much. It's just unbelievable. And it's, it's aided as well by the fact that like pretty much all of the score, the entire score is pretty much composed of pieces uh, by Aaron Copeland. Uh, So there's like this interesting like juxtaposition happening with the fact that like there are all these like, basketball sequences happening and like there's some of them are in slow motion and it's all happening under this like swelling orchestral Mm -hmm. score um but yeah just like how he represents like the acts that are the actions that are being carried out like in the basketball games but also like the the people he does like the usual things he does which is like having like those like head-on shots like framing different different scenes um but it's just Mm -hmm. it communicated to me like a lot of love for like every aspect of of this story and just like a lot of like a lot of beauty uh in a way that like not every filmmaker would necessarily take that approach and spike does that because he can and if you don't like that then whatever too bad right yeah exactly i'm gonna also since we're in the in the i'm in john lemay confession mode i was i was doing something like at the very beginning, like while uh, like the credits were rolling, I was like finishing an, up an email or something like that, so I missed the credits, and I did not know until the very end that Jesus was played by Ray Allen. <laughs> I had no idea. Like I know very little about basketball. I could probably there's only like five basketball players that like if I saw them, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's that player. Um, so I didn't know what he looked like. So I definitely had a couple moments where I was like, wow. <laughs> this guy's really good at basketball like this actor is really good at basketball like he's really good yeah like wow like what kind of training do you have to do like uh and then it was at the method end, I was like, john oh. it was method yeah 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 <laughs> apparently but then at the very end i was like oh that's ray allen who's also really fucking good in the movie he's really good yeah surprising yeah not really i mean any yeah anytime you see like someone make that jump especially like with i don't know with athletes I don't know. There's it's 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 notable, but yeah, and because I've just only I've only recently uh, seen the um, the Last Dance, there were so many characters that I saw, or so many uh, basketball players that I saw, where I'm like, oh, I I don't need to be told that that's Scottie Pippen. Like I know that that's Scottie Pippen. <laughs> like look at me, like the big now basketball buff because I sat through guy. ten hours of that ESPN documentary. Uh, are you, do you, do you like basketball? See, I'm like you. I'm I'm not a big like basketball yeah. like guy. So your love for this so movie isn't also watch. like rooted in anything like that. Yeah, that's how I came to this movie. Like I don't really give a shit about basketball, yeah. but it was a, a beautiful movie about basketball. I think Patrick is probably the only one. I think Patrick, don't you watch? Aren't you like a big basketball? Well, I'll tell you, fan? I'll tell you Lester. I got really into the NBA when I started working at the gym because I felt like I was left <laughs> out of so many conversations <laughs> until, unless I knew who uh, unless I just was well versed in the NBA. So I I kind of got into it just to fake it, you know. Right. Do you still work there? Do I? St- well, do not I now, but there? like <laughs> Yeah, are you going to go back? No, I'm I'm going to school in the fall. Congratulations, I didn't know that. Thank you. 
Thank for you. what? Thank you. For entertainment industry management. I, uh, He's going to manage the entertainment industry. Yeah, I okay. mean, maybe, maybe, maybe we can talk about this, but I, Let's talk my, about that, yeah. my, my pursue in acting has kind of, for me personally, like my, from my experience, the past couple years is like now. Obviously, I'm, I'm coming to it from a. I'm just gonna say what I'm gonna say. I, I, I don't yeah. like the idea that in conversations with my agent that I was with and with casting directors and stuff, it was all about this idea of branding yourself. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the, I, the rebellious person in me, but I just never liked that kind of, uh, you know, I just, just it became like, you know, my glasses became such a big thing for, for people in the industry. And, uh, obviously, that's <laughs> so minute on the scale of things, but I just didn't mm-hmm. like um, what I saw was just like a lack of of creativity, and okay. I kind of just got tired of playing the game. To be honest, I kind of just got tired of auditioning and and self tapes, and obviously, like the the jobs I booked like in February and January, like I booked those because I had totally given up, and I was just like. I don't care anymore. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to send in the self tape, even though half of it is me speaking in tongues, you know? (laughs) Um, Okay. So, but yeah, yeah, I heard it here, folks, that Patrick Stanny tell all. Yeah. 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 It was like (laughs) serious, like creative dissatisfaction. And the the Mm -hmm. stuff that I, I felt like I felt was important in college, you know, of course it's never going to be like that in college, right? In college, you're like, you're in an intimate setting. You can work right. as much as you want. You can fail as much as you want. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just kind of just grew kind of tired of it in in the context of being a professional actor. And, you know, it's funny, like, right, like, even after making that decision and leaving my agency and stuff like that, I, like, I want to act right now because I don't care. Okay. There's no stakes for me. I don't feel like I have to right. prove myself, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I, if someone was like, here, I have a part for you, yeah, I'd do it. Of course I'd do it. But six months ago, I felt like there was something to lose. Okay. Like, you have to prove yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I get that. Well, I have a question for you, like, especially in the midst of this uh, quarantine. Like, where do you feel like your craft is where the industry is going um because we 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 haven't talked about like on on this podcast like that the film industry is never going to be the same after this no it's not it's right it's not never gonna fucking be the same and And like i wonder how it's going to be after like Mm. what's going to happen like how are they going to do like like the big like sets and everything? The big yeah crowds and stuff. How are they going to like handle that? But we'll we'll see. But uh, with me, I would say I needed this time off. I guess from the mm-hmm. from the hustle and bustle of of trying to audition <laughs> yeah. and like trying to like do all this other shit. But with me, I I needed this time off because I needed to like find why I wanted to be an actor within myself, I guess you could say. Like, why did I want to do this? Why do I want to get up and go to this audition and, like, have, like, three people tell me, like, Lester, you're not good enough. Like, Mm. sorry, you don't get this job. Why do I want to do that? But then I realized that I I love it. I love it. I, I, I love the creating characters. I love like learning lines. I love that. I, I realized that I need to push myself more. This also mm-hmm. helped me to push myself more to actually like do it because I felt like in the past, I wasn't as confident in my in myself to really go out and audition as much as I could, as much as I needed to. Right. So I, yeah. it was, it was, this is giving me like that, that, Okay this extra push, I guess, like a time to sit yeah. within myself. 
you know? I mean, I think we're all coming out of this. Well, we will probably come out of this with like a lot of things either like clarify it on one way or another, like Mm -hmm. clarify like um, why we do any number of things, whether it's like a job or a career or something like that. And some of us are going to come out of it like feeling more sort of resolute and the fact that it's like yes this is in fact what i love to do because in spite of everything that's going on like this is all that i can think about or i've had like a real desire to do this or we're gonna come out of it being like yeah i don't know i mean i i can take it or leave it or ultimately once you take some time where you're not doing this thing anymore you right. realize like how much better your life actually is. right how much like but it sounds like stress that's, yeah, yeah yeah but it sounds like you're experiencing more of the former uh-huh and like I, I after this, I don't know what the entertainment industry is going to be, what the film sure. industry is going to be. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I just, I just want to wait and see, and just like, just wait, just look and see, see what's going on. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. Um, all right, so do we want to talk a little bit about Devil in a Blue Dress uh, before we wrap it up? Yes, sure. please. Also, I, I just want to say that um, I've been calling it uh, Devil in a New Dress. Uh, the movie <laughs> is Devil in a Blue Dress. Devil in a New Dress is a Kanye song that has been lodged in hey. my Hey, that's brain. a classic, too. It's fine. That's a classic. No, no, no. It, uh, yes, yes, yes. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, my mistake. And let the record just show that i did not point this out i did not correct pat on air uh he came to this totally by himself um yeah so uh, lester what what i obviously we talked a little bit about just like why you like these two movies for like denzel's performance but what about this movie in particular like really speaks to you or any particular scenes or aspects of it well like we mentioned like i mentioned before it shows a a black actor in a role that you've never seen before Right. You know, I, I love, and also, it also has, um, in the film, the actress that plays uh, Daph- Daphne mm-hmm. is played by Jennifer Fields, mm-hmm. who's an African-American actress. And right. And in, in the film, I guess you can say she was, pa- she can pass as white. Uh-huh. And you, and that was another, like, heavy topic especially in the entertainment business the film industry for sure it has that also in it and that's a whole different podcast in itself with sure whole, like, sure black actress second passes white and then in the film she she basically went along with this whole like sham to pass as white to make sure that her, her life is basically protected mm. Right. It's it's a lie. Mm. Right. So I feel like if she didn't have that, if she didn't do that, the whole film, of course, wouldn't happen. And Denzel wouldn't go on, well, Easy wouldn't go on this whole, like, escapade to to find it. So I feel like it's just a, it's just a a film that you you normally never see in today's, like, today's film industry. That, that whole aspect of it is like a more compelling sort of take on the idea of like the femme fatale, right? Like mm-hmm. usually there's some other thing going on that like you realize this is why this character behaved in this way. But there's just, I don't know, I found her whole like motivation that much more compelling and I felt for her, um, you know, so much more than I do for like the average woman in that film, which also speaks to like the way that women tend to be portrayed in these types of movies. But and you, yeah, I was not do, expecting that aspect of the movie. And I feel like you do feel for her because she has yeah. no choice but to do what she had to do. The, the ending is right. so heartbreaking because she's so committed to hiding that, that side of her that she she's mm-hmm. she leaves. You know, she mm-hmm. leaves all yeah. the kind of uh privilege that she could have had by with the with um the mayor by telling him the truth and it's not worth it for her to stay. Um, exactly. Exactly. I also, I, one of the things that I, I picked up from the movie is, um, and this is further explored in, in Defy Bloods as well, is that, you know, Denzel comes back for, he's a veteran from the war, yet he, right, 
because he's black does not get the same level of respect as right, a white not. veteran. I mean, we, we see that in the beginning of the film when, um, you know, he's fired from his job for a totally, you know, banal reason. And right, he there's this feeling of resentment kind of as he's on the investigation of, you know, was was the sacrifice that he made really worth it because he's being treated I mean below a second class citizen yeah 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 and it 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 gets that there's like a sort of yeah like societal commentary that the movie and I would imagine the novel gets across that yeah it does elevate it beyond like your average film noir I'd be so interested to read the book because like it's something that I would like consider teaching because there's so many different things that you could like look into like the idea of Mm -hmm. passing the idea of like the way that uh like black veterans were treated like after world war ii like the idea of like the american dream and even having that like when you are in a suburb like it's still like a lesser than suburb in some way like there's all these elements of it but it's also just a great hard-boiled detective story uh, and sort of has like those, those familiar trappings of it right right it would be interesting to see, like, just to read the book and just to see the different takes that, like, I have one take on it. Like, I would love to hear, like, a different person, like, take yeah. on their, on this film or the book mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. Yeah. What are some, like, particular scenes that you guys really enjoy or that, that you like, kind of have of, as takeaways from the movie? Uh, there's a scene where Denzel um, comes into the... Uh, I do I, the the bartender's name is escaping me, but he starts mm-hmm. to smash the bar with a hammer. Oh yeah, the marble and bar. Yeah, the marble the, bar. The, that bar has so much, uh, not just uh, physical value, but but sentimental value to the bartender mm-hmm. that he kind of just you know tells Denzel what he wants to hear. But it's just that the black experience in Los Angeles is. Every, even like the fact that Denzel is trying so hard to to pay his mortgage and kind of keep his own version of the white picket fence. Um, yeah, everything is just so hard fought. You feel like you're gonna lose it right. at any time. Include and and I think yeah. the, the smashing of the bar is a is a great example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that whole character was also very, very interesting. Like the the bartender character and his motivations and his role in, in the in the plot. What about for you, Lester? With me, I wouldn't say it was uh, a scene, but I would say Daphne is probably one of my mm-hmm. favorite characters. Not well, favorite characters in the film because it's a woman that's black and white, mm-hmm. and she doesn't know. It's like she's like pulled in like opposite mm. directions of yeah. course in that time a black woman couldn't didn't have the same rights when you're black you didn't have the same rights so of course she had to use her white i guess her white looks mm-hmm. to get by and i just feel like she was just pulled it was just it just showed like a woman that was that was just pulled and like so many dire- like two different directions she didn't know what side to pick you know yeah she yeah. either picked the right side the right uh the white side i guess a white side and just like of course getting all of this the privilege or she goes by her i believe it was her father that was african-american i think Think, think so. Uh, they had different. They had different fathers. Okay. Different oh no, fathers. they had different mothers. I can't remember. I can't remember yeah. Can't, okay. But um. Yeah. So. You you get what I'm trying to say? Like. She, yeah. No. Absolutely. Side. So yeah, I think yeah. it was more so just her character. Yeah. That was uh, uh that stood out to me. Yeah. Of course, there's a Washington, but you know. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> it goes without saying. Um, I really, I love the ending of it. Like I love, maybe I talked about this. I can't remember if I talked about this earlier, if I talked about this with you, Pat, but just like that image of like him, like surveying 
the suburbs and then we have like the sheriffs who are still or like the the detectives who are like circling around and like they're still watching him so it's like even though things have calmed down a little bit and he has the money like he's still being watched so it makes it clear that he's sort of in this like within and without sort of idea that's a quote from the Greek Gatsby but still applies um oh boy. and uh I know <laughs> yeah t- take a drink take a drink um and also the ending when he says something along the lines of um to his friend he's like would you could you ever forgive someone or could you ever be friends with someone who like did something really terrible and it took me a long time to figure out what he's talking about but i guess he's talking about because at first i was like oh well maybe it's like he's talking about his involvement in this whole world because that's like a big part of like film noir is like the private detective or whoever it is can't help but get like involved in this world and they're like forever sort of tarnished as a result so I thought it was about that, but I think it's just about him having sex with um, with uh, the woman at the mm. beginning of the movie, right? Like mm-hmm. that's probably what he's talking about. Yeah, because th- that that um, that tryst is so rooted in betrayal, I think to to him, right? And and yeah. it never gets resolved, and he never admits it to anyone. Um, so I, yeah, I really liked that aspect of it. Um, like it's just something that's like after everything that's happened, the thing that is really bothering him is this this terrible thing that he did at the beginning of the movie. Um, which on on that note, um, speaking of Denzel Washington having sex oh. with people on screen, um, wow. both <laughs> both both of these movies feature him having sex with people on screen. Well, and he got game kind of sort of, but um, there are acts of intimacy. Um, and it maybe while both of those were happening, I couldn't help but think of this anecdote. And maybe you guys have heard this before, but apparently Denzel Washington, when he's like, before he films like sex scenes and like love scenes, uh, either like right before it happens or like maybe like they're grabbing like dinner beforehand, um, like the, before, the, before the filming happens, um, he says something along the lines of like to the actress, he'll be like, Please don't be offended if I do get excited, and don't be offended if I don't get excited. <laughs> wow. Hey, well, at least he yeah. warns them, you know. Twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't know when the last time he said he said that was, but um, apparently it's a thing that he has said in many different aspects um, or many different times. So I just couldn't get that get that idea um, out of my head. Um, oh, and Don Cheadle is yeah, really incredible in this movie. Him. It's crazy. <laughs> he's so fun. Mouse. Outstanding. Yeah, what you know what Denzel is. You know, I've never been to L.A. Uh, I've been once, and I want to go back. I will be moving there next year, but all I hear is like, "Oh, you spend all day in your car." (laughs) (laughs) Den, how many miles does Denzel walk in this movie? He's always getting stranded (laughs) somewhere. He's always like without a ride, like. Wow, I know. It's a big part of the hard-boiled identity is is getting your car stolen by some beautiful woman and then having to flip <laughs> it back to your <laughs> to your pre shack of a house or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I I thought it was just interesting, like that both of these movies, like watching both of these movies in light of just like our current moment. Like he got game has like some interesting things to say about like the NBA and sort of like the ways in which like young men, young but young men black and, men yeah. are sort of like are exploited and, and, you know, sought after for that particular aspect of like their character, but also like the criminal justice system. And then thinking about like the corruption of like every aspect of, of the world of devil in a blue dress. Um, yeah. I don't know if that was like planned by you, Lester, but I, I just had like some takeaways about, about that. Um, Let's just say I planned it like that. Okay, great. Let's Excellent. Just say that. <laughs> when when in doubt, when in doubt. Yeah. Or maybe it's just so heavy that I can't help but look at like everything I'm watching with with that lens, but I appreciated that aspect of it. Um any any larger final thoughts on Devil in a Blue Dress? Uh if you haven't seen the film, watch it. It's a yeah. great film. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like pretty accessible as far as film noirs go because they can be really hard because they are so confusing. Like that's the point of them is that they're so like thorny and tangled plot wise. But mm-hmm. this is like pretty easy to follow, uh, even like within that context. So yeah, definitely check this out. In addition to He Got Game, right? And check out Devil in a New Dress. Yeah, and check out yep. Devil in a New Dress. Yeah, definitely yeah. check that out. 
yeah that's the big takeaway yeah that's a that's another classic yes truly so lester do you have any any closing remarks uh black lives matter uh donate to all of the charities donations protest if you're able to go out and protest um post on social media as many times you can we we need the support we need the help uh and uh thanks for having me of course can can we find you anywhere on, on oh, the internet yeah. Oh yes, my Instagram is at Lester M Finley. <laughs> Lester M Finley. Yeah, and my Twitter is the same. So you'll you'll see me. You'll see right. my face, my headshot. We'll throw we'll throw you uh, your handles in the uh, in the show notes, uh, so you can find it find it there, and be sure to give Lester a follow on both Instagram and on Twitter.com. Cool. Great. Well. Awesome. Uh, Thank this you so much. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, of course. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for coming on. <laughs>